Gary Sacramento. Hello and welcome to the 916 Republic podcast brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scars. I'm your host, Nolan, and I'm so excited to introduce our guest for this week's show. Scott, Zach, and I had a chance to sit down with Evan Ream a few weeks back and talk about um, his work as a journalist covering the Sacramento Republic. Um, Evan is currently finishing a book about Sacramento's rise from a you know, concept in the mind of some businessmen in the Denny's floating ideas about professional soccer uh, to the state of the club today as an MLS expansion franchise. Uh, we spoke with Evan, obviously, about his book, um, but we also talked to him about his work for the Davis Enterprise and his involvement with youth soccer in California. Uh, we really enjoyed getting to talk with Evan. He's a real character, real knowledgeable guy, um, yeah. and just a pleasure to talk to. So hope you guys enjoy the interview. But first, some news. Yeah, so uh, we have some some uh, not breaking news. Uh, you may have heard it, but just news that we need to catch up on. So uh, not long ago, the USL as a league announced that they're going to uh, start implementing some social distance training. So I, I from what I remember, it's uh, things like your you know team can train in smaller groups that are still you know uh, maintaining social distancing. So whatever that looks like, um, teams can start doing that. Uh, and maybe in some bigger news, um, again, going back a, a few weeks, the U.S. Soccer Development Academy, so it's the academy system that Sacramento Republic team plays in. It's the academy system that all the Major League Soccer teams play in. That announced a little bit ago that that has folded. Uh, we may have talked about that before, but we just want to remind you about that because uh, in response to that, the USL has announced that their academy system, their own academy system, is going to launch in 2021. So maybe a place for Sacramento Republic's academy to land? Uh, maybe not. Who knows? But Major League Soccer has also announced that they're going to have their own academy system. So it'll be interesting to see where the Sacramento Academy uh, falls. Is it just in... USL Academy system for a year and then it jumps over to the Major League Soccer one. Does it just start right into whatever Major League Soccer has set up? We don't quite know. Um, we are in communication with someone at uh, the team about that. So we'll hopefully have some answers for you shortly. Yeah. And that was reported by the USL president um, in an interview. And what he also said was uh, they are currently um, trying to, I guess the word would be lobbied. Uh, they're trying to be. They're trying to lobby for a Concacaf bid for the USL teams, um, and he stated that in the interview, there has been some movement in there. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I, I think it's cool that that the the president is striving for something like that. Um, I think the cynic in me thinks it's you know not quite attainable, but um, still kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, some some good news in these not so great times. Uh, it would be sweet to see USL teams playing in the Concacaf Champions League uh, someday. But we, um, it is COVID times, and we would be remiss not to talk about uh, financial crises in these times. And uh, some people facing financial hardship uh, are USL Championship players. Um, a, a really interesting piece written by Jeff Reuter for The Athletic, um, outlined a... So there's been a proposal by the USL to the USL Players Association. The, US, the league has proposed to the players that they add uh, two addenda to all USL Championship players' contracts given the COVID-19 crisis. So uh, the first addendum uh, would... And I'm quoting Jeff Reuter, grant the league exclusive authority to institute measures towards the resumption of the 2020 season while the USLPA, the USL Players Association, expressly waives its statutory right to bargain over such return to play protocols. Um, this was the less um, flashy of the two addendum that were floated by the USL. Um, and basically what I interpreted this addendum as saying is, the players have to go back to work and train when the clubs and the league say to do it, period. No negotiating. Um, go to work when the league tells you to and when uh, the powers that be deem it to be safe, um, which seems uncontroversial. Some some people may have a problem with that. 
Um, but the most, you know, uh, flashy and controversial addendum was the second one, uh, which was the U.S. The league is proposing the addition of a four. I'm not. I don't know if I'm saying this right. It's a force majeure clause to all USL championship player contracts. Um, and I had to do a little bit of googling just to figure out what this um, is. And so what I came up with is that a force majeure clause is a clause in a contract that, according to the American Bar Association, deals with unexpected events beyond the control of the contracting parties. These are sometimes called acts of God provisions and may address natural disasters such as floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, and hurricanes, or man-made disruptions such as acts of terrorism, riots, strikes, and wars, which prevent either one party or both parties um, involved in a contract from uh, carrying out their end of the deal. Or a virus and, pandemic. <laughs> or a virus, yeah. So that's that's the um, the proposal by the league. So they want to add this clause to all the players' contracts. Most, Jeff Reuter stated in his article that most USL player contracts do not contain these force major contracts. Um, so as it stands right now, uh, the clubs have to pay players their agreed upon wages until either the end of the season um, or the cancellation of the season. Um, this proposed clause would reduce players' wages by a certain percentage each month. Provide, uh, you know, there's scenarios where players are being housed by the team, where they're not being housed by the team, and their their guaranteed pay and their pay cut percentage would vary. If you want details on how that is broken down, go read Jeff Reuter's article. It's very good. Um, but the long and the short of it is players would take a pay cut if they agreed to adding this clause to their contracts. Um, and in addition to these pay cuts, the addendum would uh, allow USL clubs to uh, stop paying players 30 days from the date of a canceled season. So if the USL season were canceled, clubs would pay their players for the next 30 days and then would be legally off the hook um, to carry out the rest of the contract. Um, this might seem like a really bad deal for the USL players to take this, uh, to agree to include this clause into their contracts. Um, but there's a further complication to the contract situation with most standard USL player contracts. Um, and what Jeff Reuter outlined in the article was that the standard USL contract stipulates that payment by a club to a player ends the day following the team's final regular season or playoff game, whichever is later. Uh, so given this clause that is currently contained in most players' contracts, if the season were to be canceled, teams would no longer have to pay their players after the date of the cancellation. Um, so. Say, say the lead that say the season gets canceled June fifteenth. Players would get paid their full salary in their contract until June June fifteenth, and then after the cancellation of the season, players would not uh, clubs would not be required to pay their players after that date, um, as it currently stands, without the addition of these clauses to the players' contracts. Um, so what I kind of Synthesized from all this information that was contained in Jeff Reuter's article is that there's like really four situations, four scenarios um, for the standard player in the USL on a standard contract. Uh, scenario A is the season gets canceled. They don't add the addendum and players receive their full pay until the date of cancellation and then payment to players ceases immediately after the date of cancellation. So you get paid for as long as there's a season. When the season gets canceled, you don't get paid more. Scenario B, uh, again, the season gets canceled, but the players agree to adding this clause to their contract, the uh, force majeure clause, and then players will receive reduced pay until the date of the cancellation, and then will continue to receive that amount of money 30 days following the cancellation. So at least they'll have like, you know, they'll be able to pay their bills for 30 days as they figure out what to do um, at the end of the season. And then the final two scenarios uh, where are when the season resumes, the players don't agree to the contract, they receive the full pay till the end of the season, or they do agree to the contract and they get uh, reduced salaries to the end of the season. Um, so of course, I'm sure many players don't have the standard contract 
Um, they have certain end dates and uh, things to that determine when and how long they get paid for. Um, but we're just talking about the standard player contract. Um, and so, yeah, this is, we can assume to be the majority of USL players. And so we can imagine the majority of USL players are concerned, but also considering these proposals by the league. And the USL Players Association has given a statement as of today. Yeah, I can just uh, read the the response that came out today, which is May 11th. Uh, the USLPA says uh, said this. This past Thursday, the league, on behalf of its USL Championship owners, approached the USLPA regarding a potential return to play, along with a proposal that re- requested economic relief from our players. In the past days, the USLPA leadership will be, or sorry, in the coming days, the USLPA leadership will be meeting with each team to discuss the proposals and the path forward. We remain committed to representing and protecting all USL players during this unprecedented time. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't think any of this comes as a surprise. Um, we've seen proposed pay cuts kind of throughout the world at this at this point throughout you know several different sports um, organizations and 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 leagues. Um, so you know I think. We'll see how kind of this unfolds. We'll see how the Players Association um, kind of deals with this proposal. Um, I think it's good. Honestly, I we we know that clubs are losing a lot of money. The league is losing a lot of money. Um, and it's, it, I think it was kind of inevitable that we get to this point. I just hope it's whatever happens is... is um, that players are, are and and their families, you know, are taken into account when we talk about money, um, which I think they will be. So, you know, more more news to come for sure. Yeah, I agree with Zach. I think the big thing to take away from this is just let's keep an eye out for how the players' association responds. Um, and you know, we are fans of these clubs, and let's hold our club accountable to take care of the players. But we also want to mean. We also want to make sure that everything's being considered. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how the players respond in the coming days. Yeah, and if you kind of read between the lines, um, this is what I think the league basically went to the USL Players Association with. I feel like the league basically said, look, if we don't get back to play soon, then we have to cancel the season because we won't have any money coming in. But if we get back to play, we are going to be making substantially less money than we would have because let's say they come back the first weekend in June or something like that. Yeah. Well, the won't have fans. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way that fans are going to be able to go to those games. So I think the league is saying, here's our proposal to come back. Let's say it's the middle of June, but to do that, you have to agree to take less money so that we can come back and play. Um, and also like there's no formal agreement between the players association and the league. Like the league has said like, Hey, we will recognize you, but until there's a collective bargaining agreement, then the players association essentially has no power legally. Like there's, there's no power. So the league is basically just saying, look, let's just get on the same page with this so that we can start play again. And we can, you know, guarantee that clubs don't fold and, players don't get paid anything you know that's what i see kind of happening now i think there are some players that uh would prefer to maybe just have the season end so that they can just go get a job and support their family so uh, there's there's positives and there's there's negatives to this as nolan i think very uh, eloquently outlined so uh yeah i will see what happens but for now uh let's go ahead and get to that evan ream interview All right, so we are joined now by Evan Ream. Evan is a former uh, is a journalist who formerly covered the Sacramento Republic. Uh, he currently writes uh, for the Davis Enterprise and also serves as the communications manager for NorCal Premier Soccer. 
Um, and most interestingly, for the purposes of this podcast, Evan is writing a book about the Sacramento Republic. Um, I'm assuming from its first, you know, day in USL to its present status as an MLS expansion franchise. So, Evan, thanks so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing uh, with everything going on right now? You know, can't complain considering the circumstances. Yeah, you know, it could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. So, just trying to make the most of my time, the free time that I that I've been given. You know. Totally. Well, hey, so um, we, we know you primarily as the guy who's who's literally writing the book about the Sacramento Republic. But before we get into the details um, of, of your writing process, I just wanted to start off by asking you how you began following the Sacramento Republic. What led you to uh, to begin covering the team? Yeah, so I, you know, obviously I love soccer. I've played it growing up. I uh, um, from the area. I'm from Davis. Um, went off to college, and when I right when I came back was when we were starting to hear rumblings of of a team. Jeez, um, I can't remember the exact date of when it was announced. I want to say it was early 2013, maybe December of 2012, and that's basically right when I moved back from from college, and I you know got my degree in journalism, and I finally got a job at the paper, and I asked the paper, hey, like would you guys be interested in having me cover the uh, Sacramento Republic? Because obviously uh, maybe, I don't know if you guys know or not, but Davis is a huge soccer town. I mean, one of the yep. biggest, biggest clubs in the area, we have the biggest soccer complex in all of Northern California and just almost every single kid grows up playing soccer in Davis. So there's a huge, um, you know, market for it. And I, so I asked the paper if they would let me cover it and they said, uh, no. <laughs> and, um, but they were interested in maybe having me cover the first game because obviously that's, you know, somewhat being of a milestone. So I plan to cover the team just sort of on my own and, you know, do that first story for the paper. And then the club sold out that first game at Hughes stadium, which I believe was uh, 20,231 fans. Um, I could be wrong on that number, but it really sent shockwaves, not only in this community, but all across the United States where, Hey, maybe this is something that people actually care about. They went on to, um, sell out, I think, three of their four games at Hughes Stadium. And um, the other game that they didn't sell out, they drew still like 17,000 or something like that. And pretty much from then on, the paper was like, hey, yeah, I guess people are actually interested in it. So started doing game recaps. And then also during the summer, we don't really have a lot of sports going on in Davis because we mostly cover college and high school. So it's always been a challenge for the paper to create content over the summer in the sports section and Sacramento Republic sort of uh, fully lended itself to that cause. So I started doing a couple of different things in the summer. I would do small features. Uh, I used to have a Republic notebook where I would just do three little things coming on with the club. And then also we've had a ton of other stuff that was relevant because Adam John, who played in the first season, um, is from Davis. And there've been a couple of UC Davis players who ended up graduating and playing for the Republic. So there always been storylines. And basically after that first game, um, I covered the team for four years. Yeah. And uh, you, I, I saw um, in a paper or in an article you wrote for the Enterprise in 2018, there was like a, a farewell to the Sacramento Republic beat um, due to a, a conflict of interest that arose when Ben Zimer came on. Um, as a first team assistant coach, what exactly um, led to that conflict of interest and, and why did that require that you step away from covering the team uh, in an official capacity? Yeah, so that's a good question because I don't think a lot of people understand it or really even necessarily familiar what a conflict of interest entails, especially as media moves more towards like a um, fan bloggers and and stuff like that people who are actually you know fans of the team covering it which is you know definitely has its own place and I, I think is is great and it's just that what I do is is different right and that yeah. is uh cover the team objectively like I don't a lot of people say oh you're a Sac Republic fan I'm like no 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 I'm not or you write for Sac Republic no I, I don't write for Sac Republic I write about Sac Republic and there's there's actually a pretty big difference but um so in 2016, NorCal Premier Soccer, which is a very large youth soccer organization and obviously Northern California, hired me to be its head of communications. And our president, um, Benjamin Zemer at the time, was um, a coach in the academy for the Republic. But um, And he is my boss, right? And one of the people who was instrumental in hiring me. And after um, Paul Buckle um, and the club agreed to part ways, Ben became 
um, a staff member on the first team. He was the the lead assistant to Simon Elliott. And so I therefore had a conflict of interest because I had two employers, one being the Davis Enterprise, one being NorCal Premier Soccer. And um, sh- uh, had I covered the team um, that my one of my other bosses was uh, – in charge of, or basically partially in charge of, um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do that in a fair and objective manner. Or even if I was able to do it in a fair and objective manner, there would be, you know, sort of the, uh, people could say that I, that I wouldn't be able to do it. So, um, because, you know, in journalism, we require, um, me to be unbiased, then I felt that it was best for me to, to step away, to avoid, a conflict of interest or perceived conflict of interest, which is written down in the Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics, which I um, studied in college and do adhere to. So um, I felt that it was right for me to step away. So then just talking about Ben Zimmer, or is it Zimmer or Zimmer? Zimmer. Zimmer. None of those. Awesome. Zimmer. <laughs> um, I remember you on Twitter not long after uh, he was let go from his position saying that he was one of the greatest soccer minds that you know so could you kind of talk about him for a minute and why you uh hold that you know opinion of him um you know before before we got on and started recording we were um we were talking about tiger king right and yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to compare ben, ben zimmer to any character in that but but when i was watching tiger king i was like wow this is the craziest thing that i've ever seen right and it kept to- getting topped and topped and topped and topped and topped and no matter what anybody told me right about it before I wouldn't have been able to believe it until I actually saw it right and so that's why I'm bringing this up because I can't really describe how much of a genius Ben Zemer is right just the fact that like spending time around him watching games with him seeing him interact with people with kids with with first team players with coaches from other countries I mean I've been on uh, European trips to professional clubs with Benjamin Zemer twice I've been um, to a ton of different places with him, tons of different coaching education opportunities with him, just the way that he interacts and the questions that he asks and the, the, the level that he thinks on is something that I, I'm not really able to put into words that I think would do him justice. Um, it's just sort of something that like, if you talk to him after five minutes, you'll be like, Oh, I understand why this guy was on the coaching staff of a first team. And maybe I don't understand why he wasn't the first team head coach himself. Not to say that, you know, um, cause I don't know Simon well at all, not to say that he deserved to be head coach over him or, or, or not just the fact that like this man has something right. And, and he's part of a larger family, the Zemer family that are soccer pioneers in Northern California. And each and every one of them is a genius in their own right. And I mean, his, he has one brother who's the head coach at Sonoma state. Um, one of his other brothers is a, I believe a scout for us soccer. And then his other brother, um, used to be the director of coaching at a club, Santa Rosa United. He used to be actually the director of coaching at Sacramento United, and I believe he just moved to Roseville. So they're true pioneers of the game in Northern California, and each and every one of them thinks at such a higher level than than I even knew was possible before I started working for NorCal Premier Soccer. Hmm. Well, so kind of piggybacking off of that, what exactly, um, first of all, what exactly is NorCal Premier Soccer? Because I was reading on the website, it was like, a conglomeration of like 200 clubs across Northern California. Um, so, so yeah, just let us know what is that organization and then what exactly do you do for them as their communications director? Sure. So, um, you soccer, I don't, you guys have heard of, uh, CYSA. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yes. Organization of youth soccer. Right. So growing up there, we have all these state associations in the in the United States, right? Each one of them is essentially the governing body of youth soccer in their particular area, right? And um, Benjamin Zemer, who's one of the founders, along with um, a couple other guys, Sean Blakeman, who used to play for the Sacramento Knights, and Paulo Bonomo, you guys might recognize the last name Bonomo, yeah. um, whose son played for Sac Republic last season. Um, all, what, what, yes, all three of them... Um, had their sons uh, playing in youth soccer um, or children playing in youth soccer in the area under CYSA or Cal North, as they called it. And they didn't think that um, 
essentially that the organization was doing as good of a job as it could and they weren't promoting development in the way that they should so they essentially started up a rivals state association and broke up a monopoly of youth soccer because they thought that they had better ideas and could better serve the soccer community both in developing players and developing coaches and just bringing a level of of the standard of the game to um, a higher a higher place and so they created NorCal Premier Soccer. And so NorCal Premier Soccer is essentially similar to CYSA, but very different in terms of the structure of the leagues and the programs that it offers. And so it's a state association. We have 240 or so member clubs and we run um, leagues and state cups. And we also have um, a program called the Player Development Program, which is kind of like you guys are probably familiar with ODP. Um, we have our own version of it called PDP, but ours is free and completely subsidized um, by the fees of our um, uh, membership with the idea that the best players should get the best training and not have to pay for it. So it doesn't price out anybody who uh, maybe can't afford um, because that's often, you know, a problem in our country is that the best players can't afford to pay, pay to play. And yeah. so our, it's just an organization that has a bunch of different ideas that's really trying to um forward the the game and and the the level in northern california and hopefully serve as an example um countrywide that other people can follow oh you asked the second question what i run the communications that means i write pretty much everything on the website and i do all the social media and just basically whatever whatever they ask me to do that's awesome and so that that working for that organization it's, is what has allowed you to travel to europe with um zemer and um I'm assuming you guys like play clubs in Europe or in exhibition matches or. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a um, like our our player development program. We you know part of the we need to incentivize the players to um, you know show up and and do their best. I mean, obviously they're training against the best in the state, but there needs to be, as Paulo Bonomo said, you know a. Um, uh, a, a carrot to, to chase at the end of the state. I don't know whether, whatever the um, idiom is, but, um, and so when, if you go through the program and you play and you're successful, the best 18 players at the top age group will go to um, an international trip to participate in a um, uh, tournament uh, during um, uh, the summer. So the last two years we've gone to Sweden um, and our teams have been fairly successful playing against professional professional clubs. So there's um, that part of it. But then we also do a lot of coaching education that's subsidized by the by the company. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I've been to Europe with with Benjamin, because we think it that in order to um, create better players, we need better coaches. And so a lot of we bring in top level clinicians from all over the world and also offer international trips at a reduced rate. So the company covers a certain amount of it for our coaches to go over and learn from, you know, this this last year we went to um, we went to Ajax, we went to AZ Alkmaar, we went to Bayer Leverkusen, we went to Vitesse Arnhem, um, just stuff like that. And we go and learn from essentially who we think are uh, along the forefront in youth development in the world and then hopefully take those lessons back to Northern California to institute in um, our own clubs. So that, yeah, that's where I've been to, to Europe with uh, Benjamin. Oh, that's Dang. really cool. That's sweet. Well, shifting gears a little bit, um, but I want to talk about the book that you're writing about the Sacramento Republic. So how's the writing process going uh, right now? Slowly. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's um, you know, it's funny because I started writing this book about five years ago. And that's around that time, it looked like Sacramento getting an MLS, a successful MLS bid was basically a done deal and that it was going to happen very soon. Um, you know, there was a block party in 2016 and people were expecting it to maybe be announced that year. And, um, you know, so I basically during that time from maybe 2015 to early 20 to late 2016, did the groundwork on most of the book. I did most of the interviews. I've written most of it already. But then we sort of hit this and you guys, I'm sure are aware of it, sort of hit this wall uh, lull in the action where people are like, OK, well, is this going to happen or when is it going to happen? And so I had all is the groundwork. Yes. Is it going to happen? Yes. Um, I, I had all the groundwork laid, but I don't have an ending. Right. And I didn't get that ending until this past October when it was announced that it would uh, that 
MLS was for sure coming to Sacramento. So um, I essentially didn't work on the book that much for about two years and then really got back into the thick of things um, once the announcement was was made. So the process is I've, I've, I've been done with a lot of it, maybe 80% of it for years now, but I've just been waiting to finally push it across the finish line. And now I have a decent amount of time because obviously the club isn't coming into MLS until uh, 2022. And my book would uh, is hopefully, um, I believe, coinciding with the first game. So I have about 18 months to finish it before um, you know, needs everything needs to be done and submitted, and then um, it should probably come out the week before Sacramento's first first uh, home game in Major League Soccer. Nice, wow, dang! So, w- without giving, I don't want to like you know steal all the the thunder from the book before it's released. But what exactly is the structure of the storytelling? Like, are you starting from the beginning of the club being announced to and then kind of ending at the MLS announcement, or? Um, are you also incorporating like things that are happening in the 2020 USL season into the book? Like how, how are you going to, uh, yeah. Tell the story of the Republic. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So <clears throat> the plan would be to offer a comprehensive history on the entire time the club was in USL. So mm-hmm. yes, I, that's why it's actually important for me not to finish it until, um, a, a year from this fall, because, I want to include everything that happened in 2020 and 2021 as well, because that stuff's important as, uh, as well as you guys know, but also um, it goes way back even before uh, the club was even announced because I have, and you're not stepping on anything. I have a couple chapters in it that are not necessarily even relevant to the Republic, but are more relevant to uh, the circumstances of the city and the culture of the city. I mean, my first two chapters in the book, one of them is about the history of soccer in Sacramento. Um, that's actually one of my favorite chapters because I got a ton of former Sacramento Knights players, the indoor team. I don't know if you guys are aware, but yeah, yeah. but yeah. And so I've, I've talked to a bunch of them, but I mean, I'm going as far back to the 70s where there were just random teams, you know, that popped up here and there. And I've covered a little bit about each and every one of them. But also, um, I feel like a big part of the story involves um the Sacramento Kings and just professional sports in the city. And and so I have one chapter essentially that's about the fight for the city to save the Sacramento Kings, because I firmly believe the fact that had the Kings left, it would have left a huge black mark on, on the city of Sacramento. And maybe MLS wouldn't have seen the city as, as a viable option for expansion. So um, I actually don't start with my Sacramento Republic coverage until maybe the third chapter of the book. And then from there, it starts well before even the, the announcement, because the people involved in the announcement were in, used to be involved in the River Cats and with the Portland Timbers. And so I have all their backstories and everything. So, you know, essentially the first two chapters go way back. And then the first actual Republic chapter in the book probably starts in the early 2000s, because that's when that's when the people who brought Sacramento, Sac Republic to Sacramento were getting their start in the sports industry in Sacramento. And their story um, is just as much a part of Sacramento Republic uh, FC as anything, anybody who actually ever took the field or anybody who's even currently involved with the team now. And Evan, you know, so last week we actually had uh, Chris Molineb. He's a former assistant coach. Yeah, you know who he is? Oh, of course. Chris is my guy. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was an awesome interview. He's a super cool dude. Um and so we were talking actually about the miracle at Bonnie um and that night and kind of just his perspective. So something I wanted to ask you was, you know, what are some moments for you since the 2014 championship winning season that you look forward to writing about in this book? Yeah. Um well, that's it's it's good that you bring that up because I the miracle at Bonnie was in my opinion one of the the top sports moments, just any sport moment in the city's history overall. I mean, yeah. it just, just, it was, you know, there was everything, the scene was just, it, it was a picture perfect setting, you know, the club's biggest rival, a NorCal versus SoCal thing. I don't know if you guys remember, but, um, or we're following the team at that, at that point, but like we were in some crazy drought at that at that time maybe we still are but that was like literally it started raining right when the first sac republic goal um was scored by rodrigo lopez and it was like yep. the first time it had rained in like four months um 
everything just seemed, you know, that was the week before that um, was when MLS first visited. Uh, There's so many different storylines around that game. And so I gave that game its own chapter in the form of an oral history where I essentially talked to every single person on both sides. It was actually funny interviewing some of the Galaxy players um, uh, for for that chapter. Um, But as far as other moments, I mean, you know, it's really interesting because I put out on Twitter asking people for um, you know, some of their top moments that I could include because, you know, I'm after that, you know, that high of that first season there, there, there've been great moments for sure. I mean, one that stands out to me in particular was like the Wednesday night game when Rodrigo Lopez scored from, uh, behind, um, midfield. Uh, but as as far as actual moments and playoff runs, there haven't been a ton. So, I mean, most, Mostly, you know, I'm sure I'll touch on some of this, the stuff that happened. But I mean, if you guys have anything to rec- recommend, I mean, there are a couple open cup runs that I think were really good. The game against San Jose, where they were up 2-0 with like 20 minutes left and then lost on penalties. That was an all-timer yeah. for the club. Yeah. Chris Wondolowski came on and scored twice. He did. He did. I was there. That was actually the same night that the Warriors clinched the, the their first of this these titles. And uh, everybody was like in the stadium was watching the Warriors game. And then once the Warriors game ended, they all kind of filed in. So um, as far as moments on the field, you know, that's, that's difficult to say because most of my book takes place, I think off of the field, but in the sense where we're getting to know the characters and the people who help shape the club and and who they are. And so like, for instance, you know, I had a, a couple months ago, I had a, you know, hour and a half sit down with Paul Buckle to talk to him. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've written a ton about Preki. That's actually probably my most difficult chapter because I have no idea how to finish that one. Um, it's been just sitting there. Uh, I'm afraid to look at it. Um, and but as far as on the field moments, you know, um, you guys maybe you guys you need to need to tell me, especially the last yeah. couple of seasons because I haven't really really been out there. But um, you know, I'm going to go through that process in the next couple of months and really see what's important to people and what I need to cover and who I need to talk to. I mean, I'll just, you know, say what, you know, I, I think I responded on Twitter to, to your question, but for me, I don't know if it's necessarily a game, but I think after Rodrigo Lopez left and Preki left, it, it kind of felt like there was a, a hole, yeah. almost like a, a spiritual hole, like who's going to lead the team. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that next season, 2016 is when Cameron Awasa really broke out. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he had I don't know, it was fifteen goals or something like that. Uh, maybe it was, maybe it was only thirteen, but um, it kind of had that feel of the quote unquote academy product, homegrown guy because he's from the area, uh, you know, doing good for his team when they needed someone to step up. Um, and then you know, twenty seventeen, I think he goes to Kansas City, mm-hmm. and it you know was injured pretty much the whole year and then comes back and he, you know, he's just been solid ever since. But that, that year there, I just remember that feeling of like, okay, who's going to be the guy to lead the team now that Preki's gone and Roro's gone. And he's definitely the guy that has stepped up. And I mean, there have just been moments these past two years where it was like, if Cameron Awasa doesn't score, well, there's no way that Sacramento's scoring a goal hmm. and um especially not the 2019 season but the 2018 season and maybe zach and nolan can because uh, i remember talking about it with them um maybe you guys could chime in on it too but uh, there were just times where it was like how did cameron awasa think yes this is a good angle to shoot from let's do that <laughs> yeah. you know like i remember a goal against orange county where it was like there was just no breaking them down. And then all of a sudden Cameron Awasa from like, I don't know, 10 yards outside of the 18 on the left wing, just dips his right shoulder or just dips his shoulder and just has a crack from just super far out and beats the keeper low near corner. And I'm like, how, how did this guy do that? Like he just stole three points for us. And I have no idea how that happened. And so I, I mean, that for me is is big and especially because there you know again there was like no academy there's there's nobody to there was nobody um to look to except for him so i think maybe like his uh his story his time with the club and you know he hasn't 
just, I mean, just the one game, he didn't look great, but um, for this 2020 season, but for, you know, the seasons prior, like he, I mean, he was just a consistent uh, leader on the field. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. And I I would say on the field wise, I'm, I'm interested to see how this 2020 season plays out. If it does indeed play out with, um, Hayden Sargis and Mario Panegos, the two Academy products that have signed first team contracts that both started the first game of the 2020 season. Like that to me was kind of a defining moment as a fan of the club. Um, seeing like these two young, like literally grad, like high school, just graduated from high school or seniors in high school playing professional soccer for Sacramento for the club that kind of raised them. Like that was a very just interesting, uh, inspiring moment as a fan of the club watching things play out on the field so um yeah i think that that that's something to to look forward to at least for me and interesting uh history to to record in the book too i think but no that's actually a that's actually a good shout and i appreciate the recommendation because at this moment the only player i've written extensively about in the book is rodrigo lopez and he got his own chapter and obviously the story's even better now because he ended up coming back yeah. uh, but but now that i think about it you know cameron Iwasa sort of has been the the leader of the club for quite some time and it would make a good story uh to have a local you know homegrown kid coming back for uh to to, to score all these goals for the club so you know I, I i need to definitely circle back and explore that because that that i think is a is a good idea and if there's any other player than rodrigo lopez who deserves his own chapter and is important in telling the story of the republic i you know i assume you guys would say that that would be cameron Iwasa. totally yeah i would yeah for sure and i think even for just kind of a overarching narrative for the last several years with the club is we've really had a tough time finishing like i it's it's been year in and year out it's been tough to find somebody to come along and be that finisher for us and cameron wasa has stepped in um in the last couple years and and has and has been that man for us because he's been such a like a figure and there's that narrative there but also he's like scott said like he's been so clutch and he's He's given us goals when we needed them. Well, hey, Evan, before we get into the the Wikipedia game, you mentioned that you're writing a lot um, about people and developments that have occurred off the field. Um, Can you just give us like maybe a quick brief overview of like the things you're most excited to convey in the book off the field that um, fans of the club may not be as aware about, but will find interesting? You ever ever met Joe Wagner? (laughs) I've not met Joe. Funny story. We actually had an interview set up with him and like three of his friends that he was like, hey, like these are the guys that like formed the club. And then the night before he texts me and he's like, dude, I'm so sick. Like there's no way we could, because we were, we were going to go to wherever he lives. Yeah. um, in I don't know, the Sacramento area, like the three of us. Land park. And he was like, yeah. And he was like, dude, like there's no way, like I can't do this interview. Um, and we've just been so busy since that point, like, but he's one of the people that we've been meaning to interview, um, because we know that he was instrumental to the club forming. So, so that's an understatement because it was his idea. Right. And people don't know this because he's such an unassuming individual, but like everybody sort of saw Warren as as the figurehead and the co-founder which you know he was right and Warren played a huge part in it but it was Joe's idea and Joe had to convince Warren to come on board right mm. and Joe is probably one of the most ridiculous people I've met in my entire life <laughs> and I mean that as like a compliment it just just yeah. inter- the most entertaining uh the nicest the craziest person that that I've that I've ever met really and he he his story is probably the most that I'm excited to convey because it involves him like dude he had he was playing he he was a minor league baseball executive in like Sioux Falls and he would play shows with his own band after as post game entertainment his band's name was like Bitch Burger or something like that and like <laughs> he just had, and he he grew up hating soccer and like 
uh, he's, he's the guy from the Midwest. Yeah, he has a quote in my book where, like, people, some of his baseball fields were getting taken over when he was a kid by soccer fields, and he was like, "What is this communist bullshit?" Right? And like, <laughs> and sorry, I don't know if I can swear on your no, podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's just his story is such a is such a good story, and it's one that I'm most excited to tell. Um, him, and then. Uh, all the stuff I have in there, basically, I guess this is on the field, but just the the person who is Ivan Murkovich is also a ridiculous person. I just and knew that. That doesn't surprise me. It's He's just one of the most interesting people I've ever met. But off the field, definitely Joe's story and and just how it all came together, because there's a lot of ridiculous stuff that, that happened. I mean, I got my, my chapter about Sacramento Soccer Day just is the stuff that was going on at, the, at that time um, uh, and just my whole, I, I guess, you know, to, to, to say one, one thing in particular that I would be excited to tell is definitely Joe Wagner's story because I've, I've probably spent upwards of 30, 40 hours with him and I still have more interviews scheduled. Uh, but it's just, I don't think anybody uh, outside of maybe a few fans really understands how, influential he was to bringing soccer to sacramento and also how unlikely of a story it is and also how ridiculous of a story it is so that's that's and that's the part that i've already finished so i'm 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 like itching for people to 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 read that part because i i i'm really excited about it yeah no i'm really sorry scott well, real fast i i'm genuinely interested in that section of the book because i've heard from people that are close to the club like uh, Will Hodges, the former editor of of a uh, Indomitable City Soccer, from Scott, I've heard, I've heard his name tossed around, but I'm like, who? How, what does it mean that it was your idea to start the club? So I'm really interested to, like, yeah, see yes, how it all that plays out. It means it means he was a uh, uh, operating operating a failed minor league hockey team in San Francisco while spending his nights at a Denny's from like. 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. coming up with a business plan for soccer in Sacramento, a sport that he uh, hated. <laughs> so, well, uh, we will be, you know, patiently waiting our invitation yeah. for our interviews uh, for the book here. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have, you know, deep ties with uh, no one. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Imagine some catchy game show music <laughs> playing now <laughs> as we get ready for. The Wikipedia game. Okay, so uh, we played this game with Matt George of uh, KHDK 1140 AM uh, Sports Radio. See, I did it quickly like he says it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a very simple game. The object object of the game, and you can play uh, as well, listener. Uh, um, this is a, a an all-inclusive game. Uh, you can socially distance play this game. Uh, <laughs> the object of the game is to guess who the player is. So I will... Uh, read off some basic uh, facts about this person. So, you know, maybe where they're from or where they went to school or things like that. And I, then I will name the amount of clubs that they have played for. Uh, and then we will take turns guessing how many clubs that I will need to name for the players to name this player. It's it's a wordy way to explain it, but it's very simple. You'll get for it. example, yeah. Oh. For example, if I said... Um, this player has played for 10 clubs and Zach says, well, I need you to name all 10. Then I would name 10 of the clubs and Zach would try to guess the player, but we're going in turn. So Zach says 10 clubs and then Nolan says, well, I only need nine. And then Evan says, well, I only need five. Um, and Nolan and Zach are like, okay, well, we're going to challenge that. Then I would name five clubs and it would be Evan's uh, guess as to who the player is. So, uh, it goes from, and I'll, I'll name the clubs from, uh, their, club they first played for to their most recent club and a little hint all of these players have played for the sacramento republic so you automatically know one club they have played for um, just another few technical things if they've played for the same club multiple times i'll say that i'll say hey they've played for 10 clubs one of them two times so you kind of know okay hey this player had a couple different stints um, and a loan if they went on loan that counts as a separate club so if you were uh, on the books with San Jose, and then you were loaned to Sacramento, that counts as two clubs. Um, other than that, if one of our contestants feels very ambitious and they feel like not only they can name the player, but they can name some of the clubs, 
that that person has played for, then they will go negative. They'll say, I need negative two clubs, which means they'll name the player and the clubs they've played for. So uh, for example, if it was Carlton Belmar, then Zach would say, hey, I think it's, I'll, I'm going to go negative two. His name's Carlton Belmar and he's played for the Portland Timbers two and the Sacramento Republic. And Just flex, straight flex. Yeah. Um, the winner gets absolutely nothing other than uh, congratulations. <laughs> Bragging so, rights. Yes. Um, do you guys have any questions? Are we ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to be. All right. Here. So uh, the the order is going to go Evan, Zach, and then Nolan. All right. Okay. So um, this is player number one. So there are two players that are currently on the roster and two players that are not currently on the roster, but they have played for Sacramento Republic in the past. Okay. Player number one is a defender. This player does not represent the United States, but has represented his country at the U-17, U-20, U-21, U-22, and the full national team, making two appearances. Has 63 professional appearances, despite only being 23 years old and missing time due to injury. He has played for five clubs, one of them twice. So... Evan, it is your guest. You can say five clubs, four clubs, whatever number you want. Well, five then, is a bad answer because I know one of them. Um, right, right. So, dude, I might need I might need four clubs. I, I'm I'm gonna think about this, but somebody can outbid me. I might need four clubs. Yeah. So it would go to Zach after you. So are you saying four clubs? Yes, I'm saying four clubs. Sadly. Four. Okay. So Zach goes to you. You can go lower, or you can pass it to Nolan to challenge. I'll go three clubs. I'll go three. Okay, three clubs. I'll do it. I'll take the challenge. You know what? I'm I'm stumped, but I'm going to... I'm not stumped. I have an idea. I'm going to go with two, and then if I get it wrong, uh, Zach and Evan can duke it out. Okay, two clubs. So then it goes back to Evan. Evan, do you want to go one club, or are you going to try to challenge? Well, if I say one club, are you just going to tell me Sac Republic? (laughs) No, I'll, I'll say the first club that they've played for. Oh, no, I, 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 I'm not that ambitious today, sadly. <laughs> okay. So then Zach, it goes to you. Are you going to say, do you want one club or do you want to challenge Nolan? Bro, I'll take it. One club. I'll do it. <laughs> okay. One club. Here we go. Nolan, back to you. Are you going to challenge Zach? I'm not or insane. You... Okay. <laughs> so you're going to challenge and I assume Evan's going to challenge as well. So what what do you mean that oh I have like, to I have to do it. You could say zero clubs and then Oh no. I already no. said okay. I already said no to two. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. Maybe so you had a illumination moment. Okay. Okay, Zach, so you get one club. His first club that this player has played for. Again, he's a defender, is not a US representative, but okay. has represented his country. U seventeen, U twenty, U twenty one, U twenty two, and the full national team. Yep. Sixty three professional appearances, despite only being twenty three years old. Five clubs, one of them two times. The first club that he was on the books with was W Connection. What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with... So you see, he's not an American, right? Not American. I'm going with Juan Barahona. Yeah. You would be wrong, sir. Oh, oh it's got to be a Caribbean player. W Connection? I don't even know yeah, who that is. Jamaican team. Really? I think. Scott, do, do you, you want to... Yeah, uh, whose turn would it be? Nolan, do you want to guess? Can I take a, another club? Yes. Uh, on loan at New York City FC. Okay, I think I'm ready. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> Shannon Gomez? Yes, it's Shannon oh, Gomez. Ah. Yes. Uh, so sick. you're right. I, I'm. I believe W Connection is a Jamaican team, and then from there he was on loan at NYCFC, and then was permanently on the books at NYCFC. So that's yeah. the repeat. And then he was on loan to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, and then uh, from there went to Sacramento Republic. Can I make a and, sad conf- confession? Yes, that's the player I was thinking of, but because I'm so unfamiliar with the players who've played in the last couple of years, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> oh. so he's oh, a he's a full trinidad and tobago international right uh, yep but w connection is it jamaican scott 
pretty I'm, sure. I'm pretty confident it's a Jamaican. I, the w, everybody assumed the W stood for West, but it doesn't. It's like stands for something else. I don't know. It's yeah. it, they've been in the CONCACAF Champions League, though. Yeah, it's Trinidad. It's from Trinidad. It's a Trinidad and Tobago team. Okay. Oh, okay. Caribbean. No. Caribbean. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Evan hadn't said Caribbean, I would have no clue. Even with NYCFC. I just went off of Evan's clue. <laughs> nice. All Sweet. right. One Let's point for Nolan. Yes, one <laughs> point for Nolan. We'll move on to the next person. All right. This is also a defender. And I think this time we'll start with Zach. Um, All right. This player attended and played for the North Carolina Tar Heels from 2011 to 2015, making 86 appearances, scoring one goal. In two, uh, 2016, this player was drafted 10th overall in the MLS Super Draft, was born in Georgia, and is 26 years old, has no senior caps for his country, though he did represent the U.S. at the U-17, U-18, and U-20 levels. He has played for eight clubs, no repeats. <laughs> oh, man. You're not giving me his position. This is He's hard. A He's a defender. He's a defender. You said defender. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. That's hard. I. You guys are going to need multiple clubs, I feel like, for this one. Yeah. yeah. How many? You said seven total eight clubs? clubs. Eight clubs. Eight total clubs. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with give me five, and I'll do my best. Wow. Okay, five. Goes to Nolan. I'll do. I'll give. I'll let Zach do it. Okay. I'm not gonna go Evan. lower. Yeah, me either. I. I, oh. <laughs> I know. I need to get. I, I know. I know. This is. This is so embarrassing for me. Okay. So Zach, five clubs. Here. Here they are: Reading United, Carolina Dynamo, the New England Revolution, on loan at the Rochester Rhinos. And then Toronto FC two. Oh. Um. Oh my gosh! Can you say them again? Reading United, Carolina okay. Dynamo. Those are both okay. League Two teams. New England Revolution on loan at the Rochester Rhinos. Toronto FC two. Oh my god. I feel like I should know it because no one yelled Toronto after Toronto. Uh, bro, I have no clue. No, no guesses. Not going to throw something out there. Just throw a name out there. It's Jordan McCrary. Yes. What? Bro, let's go. <laughs> How did you guess that? I honestly <laughs> don't know. Wow. Evan, do you know who Jordan McCrary is? Or was he uh, after your time? After my time. Ah. Okay, so he then played for the Seattle Sounders on load at the Seattle Sounders 2 and then Sacramento Republic. Fun fact, he has never scored a professional goal. Really? Really? Yeah. I mean, he's a fullback. Yeah. Okay, now moving on to the players that are no longer with the club. I, I, this should be less embarrassing for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to kill this one. I, I know it for sure. Okay. Um, so we'll start with Nolan, okay? Okay. This player is a winger, not on the current roster again, uh, has played at two colleges, the Tampa Bay Spartans and South Florida Bulls, scoring 28 goals and 11 assists. Those are college appearances. Yeah. Well, it's like Tampa University, okay, okay. Tampa Bay University, and then South Florida University or University yeah. of South Florida. Yeah. Um, 28 goals and 11 assists in 33 appearances for both colleges is not American and has no caps for his country. He would be tied for the tallest player currently on the roster. He would be tied. If he was on the roster, he'd be tied for the tallest player on the roster. Yeah. Has eight clubs, one repeat. Okay. Dude, I, I'm going to need six. Okay. Six clubs, so it goes to Evan. Uh, I mean, I'd try five, but I'm not okay. confident. <laughs> I thought I was going to be more confident for this. You, oh, you would get it. You would get it if I named those clubs. Okay. For sure. 
and sure, five. Okay. Zach, goes to you. Give it to him. I don't know. Five? Okay. Nolan? No, do you wanna... I have no idea. No? All right, five clubs. So Orlando City U23s, Queens Park Rangers, on loan at Newport County, Arizona United, Sacramento Republic. Oh, Oh my God! I just looked at oh. the roster. Is it Tyler Blackwood? Yes, Tyler ah. Blackwood. So wow. yeah, he's he's six two, and the the tallest person on the roster right now is uh, Grinwis, the goalie, who's also six two. Oh wow! Um, what threw me off is, and well, I didn't know it, but he played as a striker so much last year. Yeah. On Wikipedia, he's listed, he's as, listed a winger, as a winger. So, yeah. Yeah. Dang. All right. Last one. You guys are, um, you're going to get this one or you're going to be kicking yourself. So right. we'll start with, who is it? Back to Evan. Yeah. Okay. This player is a defender slash midfielder. Also not on the current roster. Spent some time in Germany at Ingolstadt when uh. in his youth career before moving to the U.S., this player was the first player to be called up by a senior national team from the Sacramento Republic. He has seven caps for his national team. He has played for seven clubs, one of them twice. Um, give me like negative three. Ooh. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, negative three. So it goes to Zach. You want to name more clubs than that? I think, let me think. Because I know it, but I gotta. I know three. One, two, three. Oh, all right. <laughs> if it's not him, I'm gonna kick myself. But I'm gonna go negative four. Okay, Nolan. Scott, you said seven total clubs. Seven clubs, one repeat. I can do. F- Are you serious? You're gonna do five. Yeah. Negative five. Okay. Yeah. So then back to Evan. See, because I forgot where he played is like PDL and like, <laughs> I can't, I can't do, I can't do, do it. I, uh, yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's, I, I can't up the okay. ante. Zach, do you want to up it or are you going to give it to Nolan? The most I, the most I can think of off the top of my head is four. So I'm going to give it to Nolan. Okay. Nolan, first of all, who's the player? First of all, I can go six. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going. The player. Are you ready? Go for it. Yeah, go for it. The player is Emra Clementa. Yes. Yep. He's played for the Sacramento Republic twice. Yep. <clears throat> He's played for Reno. Mm-hmm. The San Diego Loyal. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, San Diego Loyal. LA Galaxy. Yes. LA Galaxy 2. Yes. Oh, um and that's the technicality that i missed yeah 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 no i should have thought of that though la galaxy 2 la galaxy san diego oil sacramento Republic twice that's five right that's six you got what? them didn't you? you got six right sd loyal reno sac republic reno LA you galaxy, didn't say reno la galaxy two and then his two times at sacramento count as two individual teams technically yeah so that's okay. that's the repeat that's six. And then seven. I don't know what the seventh is. Okay, so I'll work backwards. So okay. San Diego, Reno, okay. Sacramento, LA Galaxy 2, LA Galaxy, Sacramento. Uh, and then his PDL team or League 2 team was called the Bay Area Ambassadors that are no uh, longer even around. Ah, uh, dang. Kudos to you, Nolan. I'm really impressed, Nolan. That, Thanks, I, I didn't think you were going to get all those clubs. I know my club legends. <laughs> actually yeah. that would be a good player for evan to write about if i he think so too was so inclined yeah that's not yeah player. interesting I made it on the open tryout him and max alvarez really yeah yeah they you know in yeah. open trials are essentially bs clubs just use them essentially to to raise money but uh <laughs> they actually made it so um, that's crazy yeah it was there there's there's a uh, it was crazy. The open tryouts, they had him at Davis Legacy. And uh, I don't know, you guys know the player Papa Booba Giop? No. Right. He, he played a, for like Fulham for um, a long time. And he he was like a Senegal international. He scored like three goals in the 2002 World Cup. He was uh, he was at the open tryouts. <laughs> um, 
uh, for the original Sac Republic team. And he like literally couldn't move anymore. And I interviewed him. And then like a, a day later he was gone and I don't know where he's been. Since. That's he was really actually funny. trying. Yeah. I mean, I think he was with the club training and he was at the uh, open process, but like, and they expected to sign him and then found out that he like literally like his knee, his legs had gone kind of like a certain oh. large English striker whose last name was Cole. Um, <laughs> oh man uh i was not around the club when he was here I but won. i've heard i literally like like i'm pretty slow i'm pretty sure i could have beaten him across the field at that point oh, oh everyone could have was that he just said like he refused to run yeah like, that's all i said he just it yeah. looked like he refused to run well he just couldn't i asked like like uh uh paul buckle about it and then like uh, and he was like, what are you talking about? And then like immediately after Paul Buckle resigned, I asked him again about it. And he's like, oh yeah, dude, he couldn't move at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, wow. Hey, you well, played for West Ham though. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Evan, thanks for uh, coming on the show. We will have to have you back on uh, when your book comes out or yeah. maybe, you know, sometime in between then. Hey, I, I, at least right now I got, I got time and that, that game was fun. I should have done a better job. That's uh I'm not proud of my performance. No, hey. <laughs> I'm sure so if I played, I would be you got awful, on the scoreboard. So. All right. Well, yeah. thanks for coming on, Evan. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys.